1: Today we're continuing our series classic rewind and finishing up our review of the Beverly Hills Cop franchise or trilogy with number three. First we'd like to thank our sponsor, Pondex, which is right up there. Somewhere. You can visit pondex.com and use promo code CinemaGold for ten percent off your purchase. Pondex is a tool to help you grow and increase your audience. Podcast is at poddex.com. And now let's get on with our review of Beverly Hills Cop three. I've spoken at great lengths in my film reviews about the disappointing nature of threequels. Most of the time, disappointment comes from the first film or two films being really good and the third one falling short. But with Beverly Hills Cop, the bar wasn't all that high to begin with. Nonetheless, Beverly Hills Cop 3 is the weakest installment in the trilogy, with both John Landis and Eddie Murphy on autopilot. Neither really wanted to be there. As a film enthusiast, you're always looking to find the best in any given film. If a film is not great, you praise the bits that are. If none of it is good, you argue that it's not memorably bad. If it is memorably bad, you put the case that it's so bad it's good. And if it's offensively terrible, or terribly offensive, you try and argue that such offense could have some perverse cultural value. From this point of view, the hardest films to defend and the hardest to review are those which are bad in a boring way. Beverly Hills Cop Three is a very bad, boring film. Considering how much I've criticized Simpson and Bruckheimer, it is ironic that the emptiest film in the series should be the one in which they had the least involvement. The high-concept duo left the project in the late 80s, feeling that the story, as it was then, was too similar to that of Ridley Scott's thriller, Black Rain. By that time, Stephen E. DeSouza came on board and the film was being pitched as Die Hard in a theme park, which was itself watered down as the budget was cut and Jules Siller jumped ship. The inertia that dogged the film's production is all too evident on screen, with both director and cast having a load of props but no idea how or why they should use them. You can make the observation at this point that the Beverly Hills Cop trilogy is one of progressive narrative disengagement. The first film had good potential in its plot and a decent comic conceit, but it never really made the most of either and came out a little undercooked. Beverly Hills Cop 2 rehashed the plot but gave even less credit to the audience's intelligence, resulting in a film that was flashy, asinine, and dull. And the third, the most cynical, since there is no effort put into any part of its creative vision. It just sits there, unwanted, for a hundred minutes, boring and us, and then it's gone. Despite its incredibly cynical nature, however, it's very hard to get angry at the third film. You want to summon up a ball of rage against it, denounce the system that produced it, or John Landis for directing it, or Eddie Murphy even thinking it was a good script. But there is nothing in the film that could produce such a reaction. No matter how hard we try, even with the reemergence of Siddurge, one of the most annoying and offensive aspects of the first film, but he was probably one of the best characters that I liked in the movie, this is ultimately too boring and goofy to induce anger. There are many bad films that induce anger because they squander great potential. Just look at The Millionaires in Atlantis being prime examples. Everything else, Cop 3 has very little potential to start with, and so when the potential isn't fulfilled upon, it almost plays to our expectations. Both Murphy and Landis's reputations for quality had taken hits by this juncture, leading us to revise our expectations downwards and hope for something serviceable. When we don't even get that, the stakes are too low to generate anything more than a mild twinge of disappointment. Putting aside the lengthy production problems, much of the failure can be blamed on Eddie Murphy. Landis took the gig, knowing that the script wasn't any good on the grounds that Martin Brest had got around the same problem by letting Murphy improvise. But when Landis tried to feed Murphy shtick or give him room to move, Murphy refused to say the lines or do anything funny. was alleged that Murphy was very jealous of the success enjoyed by Wesley Snipes and Denzel Washington in straight roles and tried to steer away from anything that made Axel Foley a wise-ass. Pretty much everything. Some of the longer scenes were shot with just Landis, which might explain why so many of the jokes fall flat. Because Murphy is so unwilling to play bad to play ball all the moments in Beverly Hills Cop 3 that could have been funny take take on an odd and awkward feeling. The lengthy final set piece on the Wonderland Wonderworld where i feel like it was originally written is a big comic finale, perhaps along the lines of the Pink Panther Strikes Again, where every aspect of a building is used to source a joke or generate tension, but with Murphy missing all his cues, the other actors seem unsure of how to play the scenes, and the film increasingly feels like a comedy which is trying to escape itself. The only other characteristic of Beverly Hills Cop 3 that is becoming of Landis is the abundance of cameos. I previously praised Landis for his restraint in this regard when it came to Birkin here, only bringing people in for a good knowing laugh. Whether it's Jenny Agutter playing a hammy actress, or Michael Winner going off a cliff in a stagecoach, his use of cameos here is far more akin to End of the Night, with a host. Of famous film faces turning up for little to no good reason. The most obvious and awkward of these is George Lucas, whom Murphy forces off the Ferris wheel just before he saves the children. This brings us nicely, or rather not, to the issue of exploitation. Not only is the film satire of the Disney culture incredibly bald, but it often falls into the opposite trap and becomes as blatant manipulative as the theme parks itself. The entire action scene involving Murphy saving the children is a shameless attempt to at engender empathy with his character, empathy that is never justified at any other point, before or after. The performances in Beverly Hills Cop 3 are all immensely lackluster. Murphy sets the tone, looking either bored or frustrated, and giving this distinct impression that he had fallen in love with the character. Judge Reinhold is largely phoning it in, making very little of Billy's new powers and having no one to bounce off. Both Ronnie Cox and John Ashton decline to appear. Timothy Carhart makes the very least of his villain, hitting most of the beats he needs to, but not leaving any lasting impression. Beverly Hills Cop 3 is a boring and depressing end to a franchise that barely got off the ground in the first place. With both its stars and directors working against their strengths and no effort being expended on the script, the film trudges in slumps from one failed joke to the next, before eventually collapsing in a sorry heap. Ultimately, it's too boring to get too angry about, but it remains a low point in the careers of all involved. Thank you for watching this episode of the Cinema Gold Podcast. Let us know your thoughts on this series. Were you a fan of the Billy Hills Cop franchise? Which one was your favorite? Let us know on Twitter at cinemagold Gold Two, or on Instagram at the Cinema Gold Podcast. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week.